go. Hey, Jay, today we're talking about chapter 13, Know Your Value. And I feel like this is going to be a very insightful and helpful chapter for many a box owner and coach or future business person. It's something that a lot of us have struggled with. I still struggle with it from time to time. I'm sure you do. Uh, but the chapter starts off with a quote, uh, and it's, price is what you pay, value is what you get. And that's from the man himself, Warren Buffett. Uh, can you just give a little insight into what that quote means to you? Like what, what spoke to you when you saw, when you saw it? Yeah, I think when people, especially in the CrossFit world, the sticker price is, is shocking for most people. You know, you, you're typically going to a gym that's $9.99. Maybe you go to an expensive Globo gym that's $29.99. And then all of a sudden you find out about CrossFit and someone tells you the price. And that can be $150, $200, $250, even $300 these days. And if you just look at the price, you're like, oh, this is too expensive. Who would pay this much for a gym? Where when you stop and you look at the value that you get in the CrossFit world, the experience you get at the box level, or really many of the boutique gyms out there these days, it's incredibly high relative. So yeah, you might pay $30 at a Globo gym, and other than the use of equipment, maybe you take a shower once in a while there, what are you really getting? Where every time you step into a CrossFit, you know, not only are you getting access to this day and age, great equipment as well. Like back in the day, I get it. You're not only paying $100, but it's you know, secondhand equipment. Now you're, you're the same equipment you see at CrossFits, you're seeing at every global gym around the country these days. You know, Rogue Fitness is just killing it. And, you know, the value is in the coaching. It's in the programming. It's in the community. And I, I think once people pick up on that, they're willing to pay no problem. But getting them to understand that is, is certainly a, an obstacle. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to see the way the landscape has changed where nowadays, you know, I'll see promotions from Planet Fitness and it's $10 for the year. Like they're just trying to get your $10 and then never see you again, which is a big difference between that and a CrossFit gym where you have this high quality equipment, you've got a nice space, but then you also have the community. And I think nothing, you can't, you almost can't put a price tag on that community and the coaching that you're going to get. Someone's actually waiting there. They care about you. You don't show up. They send you messages. They're invested in getting you that muscle up. It's totally different value and experience. Yeah, you know, Planet Fitness or Anytime or whatever whatever global gym you're referring to, they want your $10 to just come out no matter what. Even when you're stressed out financially, you're like, ah, it's only $10. Where with CrossFit, you know, you have a bad month at, at work or, or you have some additional expenses. It's it's one of the first things you go to as as in, you know, what what can I eliminate to save some money? Uh, unfortunately. and there's But there's a lot that box owners and coaches can do to make that maybe a harder decision. And we'll, we'll get into that because it should not be an easy decision for a member to make if they're tight on the budget. But let's, uh, let's go back in time a little bit. 2007, you open Albany CrossFit and we didn't have all the fancy technology we had today. The smartphone was a little bit different. Uh, we didn't have Venmo. PayPal was just getting started. So everything was cash or check. And you eventually got fancy with a notebook, as you say in the text. So talk about those early days on managing money at your affiliate without technology. Yeah, it was it was very hard. It was a lot of 
just writing down someone's name, when they paid and how long they paid for, and then having to remember when to ask for it again. You know, no one was prorated. It wasn't as if, all right, well, you'll give me this so I collect your payment on the first. It was literally just chasing people around, you know, looking at, it was like, like what I would imagine a bookie, you know, like you make a bet yeah. and they have like one of those notebooks that you always see in the movies. Like that was me. Hey, uh, Susie, you owe me a hundred dollars. You know, don't make me break your thumbs. You know, I need to collect that. I feel like it'd be, I'd be terrified of losing the notebook. Did you ever misplace it and have a little panic attack? I, you know, I don't recall doing that, but I'm sure I did. And, um, you know, luckily back then, especially it was, it was my friends, it was my clients. So for the most part, they were just pretty good about remembering when to bring in a cash or check. Um, but I did have to go around and remind people, which even if they're not, you know, they're not purposely not paying you, but it's an awkward conversation. You don't want to have that conversation. Yeah. And, and these days, you know, ideally a gym would have like an office manager or someone who takes care of those things. Cause you don't always want your coaches to be the ones that are having to ask for the money. You want your coaches to be the fun people, the person that's talking about all the fitness. Uh, did you ever have any difficult conversations where maybe someone was way too late, you know, or just maybe they were just chronically forgetful to pay you back? I, I definitely had people that would, would pay late, that would forget. I don't think it was ever malicious. Like they're avoid, like they knew they were going to see me. It wasn't yeah. like they were going to, it's not like a global gym where you can maybe get in and avoid the front desk staff, right? You're going to see me. I'm coaching you for an hour, especially back then when I'm coaching 99% of the classes, but you know, it was just, it was just not fun. It's not fun to, go from, like you said, to be that happy, fun coach to the one that has to remind them that they owe you money. Yeah, it's, it's always better these days where it just happens automatically. I know Wattify does it at midnight, so everyone's asleep when, when the withdrawal happens. And then you, if there's an error, you just deal with it the next day you know, with an email or something. Uh, I, and I know, because I, I used to have to do the cash members at Albany Cross that when I came on, uh, this is about 2011, 2012, there were still some surviving cash members, even though we had mind body. And every month, sure enough, I'd have to, you know, say, Hey, did you bring in your check today? And some people, they really make you chase you or chase them almost until the next time they're due to be billed. Yeah. Now I'm collecting double, you know, it's hard enough to collect a hundred dollars. Now I have to collect 200, but yeah, I remember we put you, that's how much we hated that position. Like you were the new guy. And we we're like, all right, you're in charge of collecting money. Like, it wasn't a prestigious position and it no. was a position where money was being, you know, exchanged, but still we just, you know, and part of it was like, James is the new guy. He doesn't have that relationship yet. Well, meanwhile, we're not helping you build relationships because you're, you're the one that the members are like, Oh, that's the jerk that always chases after me for money. And you're right. It was always, you know, the same handful of people and whether it was, you know, they were, they were late or you just couldn't get a, get a handle on them. I'll pay you tomorrow, those types of things. And again, I don't think anyone was ever thinking, okay, I'm not going to pay. I'm going to get away with this membership. But still, it, it, it's not a fun aspect of, of owning any small business. No. And I, I remember Dean did it before I took over and he absolutely hated it. And he was so elated when he had got to give me the spreadsheet and got to just step away and, you know, not, not toot my own horn too much, but you need a system. So what I would do with these people is, about seven days or a week or so 
before they were due, I would shoot them out an email. So I had a little reminder on my side of all the people I had their email. Hey, this is James Malvany CrossFit. Your next billing date is due on XX. You can leave it at the front desk or you can give it to me directly when I see you at the gym. Just, just a heads up for people to scrounge up that cash because a lot of people don't have cash on them too frequently these days. I mean, 10 years ago, people didn't have cash. Nowadays, no one has cash on them. I mean, yeah. I, it comes up all the time. I just never, you know, when I was a personal trainer, sometimes I'd have some cash on me because your clients would pay you. But now, nowadays, as, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, there's no, I mean, the only cash you have is the cash app. Exactly. So you're taking these cash payments. And even before that, you had to decide how much to collect from new prospective members and current members. And you decided that you were going to open up Albany CrossFit with a rate of $50 per month. And at this time, the standard for most gyms was probably about $120 a month, maybe about the average. Uh, what made you come up with that rate of $50 a month? It was just a rate that I felt comfortable. You know, I, I had reached out to a few gyms and and I think this is a, a very common sentiment amongst box owners. It's like, you might tell me the average rate is 100, 120, but then you quickly think, well, I can't charge that. Like, that's what David in South Brooklyn can charge, but I can't charge that here at Albany or we don't have the right equipment or I'm not skilled enough as a coach. So it was really just a number that I felt, okay, I don't, I don't think this is too much to ask for. And, and for a lot of my clients, you know, that was about an hour session. So it was an easy sell of like, hey, this is what you would pay for an hour. Now you get to come for the month. What advice would you give to a, a brand new box owner or maybe, well, we'll do two people, brand new box owner and someone who's at a box and they're trying to establish their own personal training rates. So this is a coach that works at a box. How would the new box owner decide, okay, I'm opening tomorrow. What are my rates going to be? Rates for membership? For membership, yep. You know, I think it's important to look around. You, 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 know, you I don't think you want to be the most expensive gym in town, but you also don't want to be the cheapest, you know, so look around, kind of see the rates, the average. And I mean, this day and age, most boxes charge about the same, you know, give or take five or $20, but you know, depending on some boxes might charge this, but then it's a little more if you want to come at different times or take different classes, but set a price that you're, you're comfortable asking for, but also, you know, that's reasonable compared to the other gyms in the area, in the area. All right. Well, that sounds super simple, simple, complex, simple, you know, uh, sometimes things are a little more complex for maybe someone starting out. What about the personal trainers? This is a coach at a box. They want to start doing some personal training on the side, outside of classes. How does that individual decide what they're worth? Yeah, that's often a lot harder for people to to set that price because especially in the CrossFit world, you know, maybe you're a newer coach. This is your first time ever coaching someone. You're like, you know, I'm just happy to get people. You know, it's always good to do your research, look around, you know, what what are the other coaches at your boxes charging? What what are other coaches at other boxes in town charging? But really, you know, unless this is your full time job, if this is part time, you're doing a couple of a couple of week. It needs to be worth your time. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. For, for me, I mean, this is flash forward 2020. If I'm going to do something, it's like, okay, I got a, quite a few opportunities to do different projects and to be involved. And you have to really decide which is worth your time, not just out of enjoyment, but bang for your buck and what you're going to get paid. And, and for a, a 
personal trainer, it's no different, you know, and, and I've learned, and we'll probably talk about it in this episode, you have to charge a good amount because that's what holds people accountable and that's what shows them eventually the value. Yeah, you want them to have some skin in the game. And I think from a personal training standpoint too, you have to realize that you're charging a rate that is for more than just the hour because you still have to do the programming. You still have to you know, uh, do whatever it is that you're going to do with contacting your athlete, establishing that relationship. And that's all more than just the hour. You know, They're probably going to text you. They're probably going to want maybe accessory work outside of it. And you still have to think about and sit down and write their program. And yeah. And you know, training is a lot more involved than just the hour. Absolutely. As is coaching, but you want, you, you charge $10 and you're going to get $10 clients, you know, and, and not that that's a bad thing, but they're going to be people that probably don't take it too seriously. Don't show up on time. Don't give you a hundred percent, you know, and the more you charge, the more, like you said, skin in the game. And it's not to set yourself above other people or to only bring in a certain demographic of client, but, but you want those people that are willing to pay you that much money because they take it seriously. And if you're, if you're a trainer, you're doing it usually because you love it because you want it because you want to help people and but you want those people that take you seriously. Yeah. So it's a, it's a give and a take and it can be awkward and a difficult conversation to have with people. And you felt in the beginning, very anxious to have these conversations with new members. Uh, so I want to do a little bit of role playing. Okay. So I, I want you to remember back to 2007 and I want you to be old Jason. So I want you to, to tell me what your rates are the wrong way, essentially. And then I want you to be new Jason and tell me how you would do it today. Uh, maybe adding in more value and being more confident. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Let's, right, let's so, see. So let's happens. say, let's say we've already, maybe we, you've gone through the tour. You've shown me the gym. You uh, told me what CrossFit is. I don't really understand it too much. Uh, maybe even you put me through a, a little workout, right? So I, I just did like a 10 minute Cindy or a modified Fran and I'm all sweaty. I'm like, Oh man, that was awesome. How much? So this is old, old Jason. And uh, you know, I would probably look down at the ground, probably avoid eye contact and say, you know, it's, it's, it's $50 a month. And, and right away, I would probably say something like, if that's too expensive for you, you know, let me know, we can work it out. Or oh, if that's expensive, we have a three months for a hundred dollars, you know? So right away you're, I'm telling them the rate, but quickly devaluing what we're doing. Yeah. I didn't even get a chance to respond. You're, you're just, you're, you're like, it's $50 a month. And then I'm just looking at you blank face and you're like, but uh, uh, you'll get Starbucks every day. I'll give you a back row after classes. Yeah, that's what you, you know that, or, or like I said, it would be, you know, right away, but it, do you need a discount or right away? If you, if you pay more, it's cheaper. Like those types of it, sentiments and expressions. What's, what's that thing? I can't remember who, who said this, that, but when you're like, I don't think it's when you're debating or, but when you're having this kind of a conversation, it's the first person that speaks well, loses the conversation. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, I don't think you're talking about Michael Scott in the office where, <laughs> no. where he, he goes into that negotiation and he just won't talk first. So yeah. They sit there in silence, but uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but probably like uh, the, the uh, what's the book? Um, Stephen something, the art of, or never lose an argument or never compromise. It's, that's a great book. Actually, if someone's listening, I, I'll, I'll find the link to it, but it, Never, uh, I'll post it in the notes. 
or or you're looking it up as yeah, we I'm speak. looking it up get, right now. I get the vibe you're looking it up. Yeah. Never lose uh, the art of debate. Never lose an argument again. I don't think that's the one. Hmm. Well, we'll look it up and whatnot. Yeah. But but so, anyways, yeah, um, let's go to current Jason, a more confident Jason. How would you tell me the price and sell me on this price? Sign up for membership. It it would be a lot more simple. It would just be like, hey James, I hope you enjoyed that workout. Our our prices are one hundred and fifty dollars a month. You know, we take all sorts of credit cards, and and we'd love to have you sign up. Yeah, just well, you know, straight to the point, eye contact, confidence. That's what you're looking for. Good posture. I mean, I'm sitting, but yeah, good yeah. posture. And and if you think about it, the one thing that I would relate it to would be maybe even the um the brief at the whiteboard. Just tell me what the workout is. Keep it simple and short. Just tell me what the rates are. Keep it simple and short. Instead of going on this big tangent on, okay, we're going to do thrusters. And then by the time you get explaining your thesis on thrusters, we've all forgotten that we're even doing Fran. Yeah, it's, it just has to be simple, straight, and, and confident. And I mean, really, that goes to, to most things, but that's what it's all about. Just keep it simple, keep it straight, and be confident in what you're asking for. Because if you're not confident in it, your members or potential members are going to pick up on it. Definitely. So you have to have that confidence. And I would say, I mean, it wouldn't probably be a bad thing if you're nervous about this uh, to maybe practice it, right? Whether it be you record yourself or your friends and family, or just, I guess just try to get more clients and practice on them. Well, yeah, it's certainly not a bad idea to practice anything. But yeah, I mean, practice that, especially you know, maybe you're the box owner now and, and, you, and you're confident in it, but you have, trust me, and, and as you noted earlier, your coaches are not typically skilled or prepared in this matter. So you need yeah. to, you know, I would get mad, I'm sure at times at you and other people for either offering a discount or not getting the sale or, you know, letting people leave without paying, but you're no more prepared than I was in 2007. I'm going to toot my own horn again. And I would say that out of the bunch, I was one of the better membership salesmen. Uh, you were good. People, You're very good. Yes. People would come in. I, I would, my, my mission was to not let you leave and not ha and have you already signed up or at least at the very least sign the waiver so we could follow up with you because you got your I phone used, number. We got your email, the whole thing. As a box owner, I would say my biggest pet peeve or the, I wouldn't even call it a pet peeve. It would just truly make me angry is when one of you guys, and, and I agree with you, James, you were really good at it, but I can remember countless times where be, Caleb was notorious for this, and, 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 and I mean, nothing bad by it, but he'd be like, got a new member, Jay. I'm like, cool, uh, they signed up, and, oh, they're gonna come back. Like, we don't have a new member. We have someone highly interested. There's a very big difference. Why didn't you collect that payment today? And it was typically, oh, I just didn't wanna ask. It was going so well, like I didn't wanna ask. Like, like that, like, like expressing what the value of the place is and getting to where that person probably wants to go is a bad thing. When it was yeah. not, they should, that person expects you to ask. It's like, you're on a first date. Are That's you exactly go, what I was are thinking. You, are you going to go for the kiss at the special moment or at the end of the night or not? Nah? That's exactly what I started to think about, James. And it's funny. It's like, yeah, we're having this great first date. Um, all right. I hope I see you again. Yeah. And what you're saying is I'm not interested or yeah, at least you're I, conveying I, that. And I'm saying either I'm not interested or I'm not good enough for you. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's really what we're saying, right? So, yeah, I mean, that was, you nailed it with that first date analogy. Close. Yeah. Always be closing. Always be closing. So that's that's one of, if we're talking about finances and value as a trainer or a gym, that's one of the more awkward situations. Uh, in the beginning, I think that's something that you can get better at pretty quickly if you practice and stick to your guns and close. Uh, but the other one would be now you have members in the gym and it's getting to a point where you're going to raise your rates or maybe you need to raise your rates. And this is a very, very stressful time so for, stressful for, for a box owner. Uh, so first, uh, uh, how, how do you come to the conclusion that you need to raise your rates in the first place? That'd be my first question on it. Well, for us, it was a couple of things. I mean, it was one, our expenses just went up. You know, there's just because you're growing doesn't mean you're keeping up with expenses. You know, the gym's growing, but now I have full-time employees. The gym's growing, but now we've got more space, you know, that we're paying for rent. The gym's growing, but I need to buy more equipment. So it's, hey, how do I just cover my bills and expenses? And then B, you know, showing that you are more valuable. The You know, the rates I opened with in 2007 were incredibly low compared to what we were providing in 2009. And you just... You have to keep up with the times, you know, inflation and all that stuff. You just have to be on top of it. And I remember, I'm sure you're going to ask about it, but the first time we increased rates and it was so stressful. How, how much is a reasonable amount to increase the rates by? Well, you know, it depends. We had to do an incredibly massive increase because we had started so low. But I'd say... You know, I don't know if there's a rule, but probably about 10% a year. That's probably a little high. But if you're, you know, let's say you're charging $200 a month, which is, a, you know, an expensive rate at this point, you know, $20 more next year is a lot, but it's it's doable. So you need, you need to keep it within reason. And I'll talk about some strategies that maybe I've implemented over the years when doing it. But, you know, no different than if you rent an apartment, it goes up 3% or 5% every year. But that's also typically a lot more expensive of a, of a monthly payment. So somewhere in that three to 10%. And I now would be doing you, it every year. Oh yeah. That was going to be my next question. Do, is um, so you think every year is reasonable? I think if not every year, every other year, the issue becomes if you don't do it often enough, that big jump, you know, your members don't appreciate the fact that you've not increased for two years. They're just recognizing, wow, what a big increase. Yeah. Where, where if I say, I oh, well, I could have increased you last year for $10. Now it's only a $10 increase this year, but it, instead we're going $20 and now they're upset. Now I'm, I'm just thinking to, my, to myself, I, I, from a membership standpoint, if I start off at $200 and then we make a 10% increase and we go up to 220 and we keep bumping it up year after year, eventually I'm going to be over a $250 membership. Do, do you eventually cap certain members to no longer be increased if they've been at the gym for a certain amount of time? Yeah, well, I've never ran into that situation. But but yeah, I mean, I, the, the goal isn't to get out of hand with this. You know, the goal is just to stay on top of it and make sure you're, you know, providing, you know, your, your coaches, right? Because And that's something I would say. Like, people would complain about it. I'd be like, well, do you like James? Yeah. Do you like, do you think it's okay if James can eat dinner tonight? You know, it's like you have to, like, I don't think your members look at it from that perspective often enough. They're just like, wow, we're paying $200 and it's the same equipment. Well, James needs a raise and, and Murph needs a raise and Caleb needs, you know, it's like all that has to 
be accounted for. Yeah. Do you, do you see the holes in James's shoes? <laughs> no. And I mean, really, I would say that to people, maybe not as direct, but, you know, I, I, we, we've brought on new coaches or, you know, we have more specialty courses. Our rent went up, you know, the, all of those things play a role. And is that, is that generally how you would deal with, with pushback? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure we can get even more specific with it, but yeah, you, I wouldn't ever be afraid if you are going through this and you want to increase rates, which I probably recommend, you know, I don't know who you are, but I'm assuming you haven't raised rates in a while and your rate is too low right now. Although that's improved in 2020 in 2013 and 14, I would just blindly say that. And it was correct. You know, you're not charging enough and you need to increase rates. And in fact, when I sold my gyms, I helped quite a few gyms do that, but, but yeah, you have to have that transparency. And I, was never, you know, you you can tell the people that are complaining and the people that were truly struggling, like this is, now it's too much for me to afford. So let's talk about those two people. Uh, I'm assuming you have to be ready and willing to let some people go um, if they, if, if they can't be, um, they can't be increased with their rate. Uh, What about the people that are clearly struggling? Uh, How do you, how do you manage that? So uh, I will say, at Albany CrossFit, the time I owned it, I probably we probably raised rates five, maybe six times, maybe maybe even seven. You know, towards the end we were raising it almost every year. And you know, first and foremost, the most simple way to raise rates is just increase your new rate. So whatever new people pay, because that doesn't impact your current members, right? So if you don't want to touch the people that are paying a hundred dollars a month, you can still change your rate on your computer, you know, on the website to. 165 and then your current members don't feel that impact but ultimately you have to try to slowly bring everybody up because your members will talk and you know we i would have members that would just complain and what i was going to say is in those times with raising rates i don't think we ever i can't think of ever losing more than one or two people it's really never as bad as you think it's going to be and then it's better in the long run yeah and, and that's the other thing you can kind of put a formula together, which I would always do because I'm a worst case scenario type of guy sometimes. It's like, okay, if everybody goes up, we can lose 12 people and still actually be making more money. You know, and you have to look at that because 12 people, I think people forget about a box. It's like more isn't always better. If I lose 12 people, but I'm making more money, well, that's more floor space for those people. That's easier access to the equipment for those people. That's less crowded classes for those people. So it might seem like a step backwards, but it could actually be a step forward. And you're, you're not that they're the worst members, like, but, but typically, you know, someone it's, you, you lose some good members, but you lose a lot of people that just all they were doing was waiting for a reason to, to leave. Kevin Houston used to refer to that as kind of like the sand in the jar, right? They, you got these big golf balls in there, then you got some pebbles and you got some, some, you know, smaller pebbles and ultimately the sand fills in the rest and he would say you know those are the people that it just takes a little bit and they're and they're out the door yeah they they were possibly people who weren't already valuing everything that was being provided to begin with exactly so you know and and if you're a boxer or listening you know who i'm talking about yeah now do do you even need to explain why you're increasing the rates. So like every now and then I'll get an email from Netflix and granted they are like 
a billion dollar company and all that stuff. So they don't care if I unsubscribe, but they just put it right out there. Like, Hey, the rates are going up monthly. Goodbye. <laughs> and that's it. It's uh, uh, do you even need to explain yourself and say, well, well we're going to buy this equipment. Do you need to make promises? We're going to buy this equipment. We're going to do this and that. It's going to be awesome. You know, you know, I don't, obviously you need to tell your members before their yeah. next payment comes out. But I don't know that you need to go into a deep explanation. I know in the back of the day I did, you know, everything I did back in the day was very transparent to a fault. Where, you know, I, I think nowadays it could just be, hey, it's, you know, probably around September, October. You want to just reach out, hey, you know, come January 1st, we're having a rate increase. Here are some things you can look forward to in the next year. Maybe throw out some equipment, but be prepared. If you're going to put that out there, you need to be ready to buy it. Or make you know, that change. I, I feel like we're on the same wavelength today. You just read my mind. As you were saying that, I was writing down on my little board here, timeline, time of the year, <laughs> how much notice to give, things like that. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to timeline, what I've told, I, I like that January 1st, it's the beginning of the year, but you also have to be prepared. You probably don't want to tell people mid-December when they're Christmas shopping and they're a little financially strapped, right? So you, you get them throw it out there in September, October. So they see it, they know, and now you can make that change. But, but yeah, I would, I would definitely put out there some of the things they're going to look forward to, but at the same time, you should not feel guilty. Like you, you should be providing so much value at your box that it's a no brainer and no one cares. And let me throw out this one last thing for box owners, my buddy, John, who owns Noose River CrossFit, they do an annual equipment uh, fee. Great idea. So every year, January 1st, along with your typical monthly payments, so say, say your monthly rate is 150, January 1st, you get two charges. You get one for 150, but you also get a second charge of $50, which is kind of like your annual equipment rate, which is what you call, and it goes 100% towards new equipment. And, so not, not even to refurbishing current equipment. That's I mean, just potentially, but the point is okay. it's not money. It's not money that goes to coaches. It's not money that goes in John's pocket every year and he he'll show out you know how much he brought in and then also where the equipment went to and the members love it they they have no problem doing that that sounds like a fantastic idea yeah I'm start doing that to jim yeah john did it and we've told a couple boxes about it and they they do it um john and you actually john was a member of albany crossfit john prescott i don't know if you were there when he oh was there. yeah no i remember him I remember yeah him. so so he went on moved to uh, raleigh north carolina funny I tell him this all the time. I did not like him as a member of the gym. He was just <laughs> someone I didn't like for some reason. Like we didn't fight, we didn't butt heads, but just irked me. But now, now I, he's someone I consider a good friend. I, I really like the guy and he's turned into a phenomenal box owner. That's, that's awesome to hear. Uh, what, what, what's his box? Noose River CrossFit. So we, it was one of the 10 boxes that I went to on the dropping in episodes for, for the best hour of their day podcast. And, um, did some nutrition seminars there, but he's got a great adaptive community as well. I mean, he's got a little person, Sean, that I, a funny dude that works out of the box. And of course I can interact well with him being that I'm only like three inches taller than him. <laughs> um, he's got quite a few people that have gone through addiction, you know, and recovery stuff. And, and uh, Lo Logan Aldridge, the one arm guy. Yep, I've met Logan. Know, yeah. He, that's his box. Oh, cool. Uh, so they're, there. Oh, oh, uh, okay. That he trains there. 
Yeah, cool. John's John owns the box, I should say, but that's where Logan trains. Uh, John's part of Wheelwad with Chris Stoudy. So, you know, he's really got heavily involved in that adaptive community. That's awesome. Such a, such a small world. It's great to hear everyone's doing well. Yeah, really great. So you, you mentioned in the text, you know, that you would spend hours writing um, the, the email to the members on how you're going to increase the rates. And I know that to be true because I, I wrote one of those emails. I think our last rate increase when you were the owner, uh, I was the one that sent it out to everybody because I was fully managing the membership. Um, and I had a pretty good relationship with everybody too. So all the heat came back on me. And then, I, uh, But it does take time to craft that email. You want to have that email be crisp, short, concise, not too wordy, get all the right info out there. And then you have to wait for those stressful inbox, you know, things to come back as well. You know, and, and they never come back, right? A handful come back, but I just want to re like reiterate, I, a lot of what I learned about this, I got from my yoga background. So I owned a yoga studio in downtown Albany for a while. And it was always strange to me how you'd have to teach a yoga class and then walk around and collect the drop-in money. Like there were memberships, but a lot of people would just pay the $15 per class. And it was always such a strange feeling for me that here's this person that just provided me with this hour of bliss and peace and relaxation. And now they're like, where's my money? And I think I tried to really hold on to that kind of sentiment when it came to the box. I was the fun guy. I was the coach. I was the one that they connected with. So James could be the, uh, you know, the, the henchman going around in his, in his trench coat, collecting, knocking on doors, collecting money. <laughs> kicking, kicking doors in. And, and it really, in retrospect, was completely unfair to you because it's like, well, how am I supposed to have that relationship with the members where now, you know, they look at me like the asshole. Well, not, yeah, that was a constant conversation the six of us were always having in meetings. You know, hey, I got to be the guy asking people for, not, not, and it, it, for some people, it wouldn't be just once. So like now, okay, let's say it's, it's Steve and Steve is late by, I would typically give it about a week. So he's late a week, right? And I send him the first message. Then the following Monday, I call him. And now I'm like, hey, just, just, just James Molly CrossFit, just call and let you know, hey, you're, you're, you're two weeks late on your, your membership dues. And they say, oh, yeah, yeah I'll, get it, I'll get it to you. Or can I take payment over the phone? And all right, you don't want to do that. You want to bring in the cash or the check. Right, of course. And so now it's like, uh, like I'm the guy that's always on you about this membership that you owe. And, and rightly so, you need to pay that. Uh, but then when you come to class, it's not quite the same as when I'm like, well, hey, you got to get your chest up on your squat, or this is what you're going to do to be better because you're associating me with something negative. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure from your perspective, it's like, not only are you stressed because you're collecting money, but you're also stressed because I'm sure when that money wasn't coming in, I was giving you shit. Yep. We can go back an episode to the <laughs> micromanaging and the, the wonder list and all those things, you know, because those things would just go directly to you. And it was also, you know, I mean, like, because I know at certain points, all of us had to do the, uh, the cleaning at the gym. You know, it was, that was cleaning at the gym was always supposed to be something that was like a group thing, but it always very quickly spiraled into it's a James thing or it's a Murph thing and other people didn't want to be bothered with it. And then there was an association with, okay, the members are always coming in and they only ever see Murph or James with a mop in their hands. So they don't take you as seriously as a coach as Kevin or Dean or Caleb. And so whenever we would get a new guy on the staff, guess what job they were doing? They, cleaning, you collect your know, money. 
they were they were getting those lower tiered the but dirty jobs the dirty deeds you're forgetting the one caveat to that is if you became too good at that job i probably made you keep it yeah that, yeah like that you, was the the trick you became so good at collecting money yeah. that i think but you're right it was like there's very much a hierarchy at the gym and it was it was tough and some of it was on me like i was very close with those guys and some of it was i let them get away with too much right kevin and caleb at times you know, especially Caleb, who, you know, went on to be a part owner of Clifton Park. So he probably had a lot more stature and felt like he could control that narrative a little bit more. But yeah, it certainly wasn't fair. And I, and I think it's not about so, picking apart me as a box owner. James. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th I think um, I think you want to have in a perfect world, everyone would do it, right? It'd be it'd be a rotating thing. Everyone does it. And I think uh, in a perfect world as well. I know myself and Murph as examples, neither one of us are ever above doing that right now, which we, we certainly could be. But like just the other day, I had a vacuum on my back. You know, we have a little backpack Ghostbusters vacuum and I'm cleaning things because I, I need to get stuff done and I want this area to be a certain way. Uh, but what can a box do to kind of keep that in check so it doesn't get out of control the way it did at Albany CrossFit? Well, I mean, I think the easiest way to do it is just compensate those people. Like it's a lot easier to, to say, Hey James, I need you to vacuum you know, and, and then your two scenarios, scenario a, it's like, James, I need you to vacuum. You're getting paid the same. None of us are doing it. Right. Versus James, I need you to vacuum. And in your mind, you're like, Oh yeah, well I get $20 an hour when I'm cleaning. Yeah. Right. You so that's log that on your, your timesheet. Yeah. So that's a lot different or Hey James, today's your day to vacuum. Don't forget Kevin, tomorrow's your day. Right. And you have, those sheets are, you know, one more scenarios, especially when you were like the 830 guy, it's like, you're the last one here. You're expected to leave the place cleaner. And this goes for a lot of boxes, be it the morning class or the evening class. You probably need to consider paying those people a little more for those classes because there's a little more time. The morning class, maybe you have to come in early, write the workout on the board or make sure a handful of things are set up, turned on, bathrooms are clean. And then your last class of the day is the chalk put away or there's the equipment put away. So it's no longer that one hour class. So you, now your 8.30 class is actually two hours of work. Well, James, you need to be paid accordingly. Yeah. And then, you know, the, you also want to have that time after that 8.30 class to spend with the members too. Like there'd be plenty of times where the we'd end at 9.30 and we'd get out of there at 10.30 because we were going over pull-up progressions or doing like extra strength work after and, and getting tech, technical advice. And for the record, uh, the, the gym was always cleaned after the 830. There was, there was never a moment where we left it dirty, uh, no matter what certain souls would say. <laughs> oh, that would always be a beef. The 830 class versus the 545 AM class, right? Yeah, we, we don't need to get, in, get into that, but I guarantee you it was, it was never the other way around. Well, that was the one downfall of the box too. It's like, it's open. It was open and put to the other, to the court club too. You never know. Did somebody come in? Did somebody move stuff? Did somebody come in early before class, stay late? So yeah, I, I, I typically did trust that you were, you're, you're, you're pretty OCD like I am. So let's talk about coaches since in, in, in a potential rate increase and establishing new value for the gym, it might involve bringing on new coaches or just being able to pay your current coaches a little bit better. Uh, when did hiring a coach for your gym become a thing? 
because in 2007, you're the only coach in the Capital District area, pretty much, right when opening. When did you realize you needed more coaches, and how did you go about getting them on and compensating them? Well, as we've discussed in the past uh, chapters, my first coaches were like Matt and Jess, and they were just free. They were just volunteering, and I think the evolution was, okay, you're volunteering, uh, you get a free membership. And then it became, well, you have to coach X amount of classes for that free membership. And then it became, I'm going to pay you. And it was probably, it was probably not till around Caleb coming on board where it was like, now someone's coming here and this is all that they are doing. Yeah. You know, the mats and the Jesses and even Viv and a handful of other people that coached. Uh, Brett was probably the first person I paid actually, because he was the morning guy and, you know, he had a, real job and a wife and two kids. And I think it was just, all right, this is part of his life and it needs to be something he's paid for. But outside of bread, I think it wasn't until Caleb when, when people were actually coming on and it's like, this is your job now. Yeah. And so there's that expectation that they're going to be taken care of, have health insurance, th things like that. And you're trying to increase the rates and members do that member math. Oh, member math. math. And it's uh, math. It, it, it almost seems just like a very rude thing to do, but it, ha it happens. Can you explain what member math is or box math and <laughs> how you can combat it? Because they don't see any of like your Caleb is only his only job is working at the gym and you're trying to support him. So now the gym is supporting you and Caleb and then others in the future. But members are doing the math and they're like, Jay's a gazillionaire and why should we have to pay more? Yeah, I'm sure if there's a box owner listening right now, they're laughing because member math is a real thing. And it's basically when, you know, one of your members just kind of gets an idea of how many members are at the box. You've got 100 members and, you know, they're paying $200 each. So Jay's uh, netting, Jay's taking home $20,000 every month. Like that's where they go to. It's not gross. It's net. It's going right into his pocket. And There's no bills. Know, there's no No bills. None of these coaches are getting paid. There's no rent. Um, there's no taxes being paid. So these members just, they look at you differently. They look at you like, you know, the, the, you don't deserve to get paid that much. And how dare you get paid that much? And you feel it a little bit. And, you know, the, it's just, it would be like going to a restaurant and looking around at what people are eating and guessing what they're, you know, you, you have no idea the expenses that go into this place. So like, how, how have you dealt with it in the past? Like, have you ever had a situation get out of control where it's like there's some guy or lady coming into the gym, they have a financial background. Uh, I, I, from my experience, when, when I used to witness this happen, when you owned the gym, it almost seemed like the, the worst cases were fellow entrepreneurs. They, like, those are the people that were coming in. They, they have their own business. So they feel like they understand the CrossFit business and, and it would how to be successful in it, even though they opened up their own box, it would probably not go very well without the help of someone like yourself. And they do that member math. And then they start spreading it around the, the, the hallway. You know, they're uh, like, like, how do you deal with that? You can, it's, it's like, we've talked about in other episodes, you, you have to ignore some things and, and you have to be, but you know, to that point, you also have to be willing to pull somebody aside and be like, Hey, you know, I, I hear you talking about this. This is what's really going on. Um, I, I don't have one distinct memory was this is probably like 2009. 
So yeah, we raised our rates a couple of times actually now in retrospect, but around 2009, 2010, we had a member named Fuji. That was not his real name. His name was Matt. Did you meet Fuji? I never got to meet Fuji, no. But, but you remember him, super nice guy, awesome cook, like very much a foodie. He was, you know, a little heavy. Um, and, and he was around probably when the rates were $100. And I remember, you know, we decided to increase the rates to 125. Like it was a substantial increase. And he was young guy and, and we were friendly enough. And he was like, Jay, you're going to lose everybody. And I remember like, I, I, you know, it's one of those things you, I actually remember like having this conversation and, and I, and I, you know, it, it caught me off guard. And then I was like, we'll see. And everybody stayed. And it was like really eye opening to people and, and to myself, that was probably, the biggest eye opener as far as like, okay, we need to charge enough. Yeah. And that and was, those, they love being there. Yeah. And it was important back then too. Cause like I was saying, our space is limited. Like we'll talk about this in future episodes when you have people that are kind of doing their own thing, but you have to remember like every time I expanded the gym, we went from one racquetball court to five and we also paved the side of the building. So we had outdoor space. We had an outdoor equipment area. We had an outdoor shed. But a lot of times I'm, I had to really do that balance of, okay, I'm going to expand now. So right away, my rent goes up, right? I know I'm going to pay more monthly rent, but also in addition to rent, what else goes up? Well, we have to knock down a wall that was potentially tens of thousands of dollars. We have to paint this new room. We have to equip this new room. So you have to find that balance of, do I want to expand and get more people at a hundred dollars or do I want to stay? reduce those potential expenses and just increase rates and give people more value in that smaller space. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, you know, it's somewhat supply and demand, but somewhat also just, you know, it's like the, 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 there's companies out there that do, you know, limited releases, you know, for example, that brand Supreme, it's like, you can't just go into a store and buy a Supreme shirt, but when they release it, it's crazy expensive and there's a line for it. And you kind of want to create that fine balance there where, you know, every time you, you, you grow to accommodate the more members, it, you might actually be losing money. Well, it's Am like I making said, that clear. No. Yeah. I completely understand. And it's, it's like you said at the very end of the chapter here, ultimately, if you bring value, members will appreciate it and be willing to pay whatever you ask. Exactly. And you know, that's really for the most part, what I found, you know, give with a handful of exceptions. That's what I found. So Jay, off the top of your head, whether it be uh, uh, establishing what you feel your your worth, your value, increasing rates, expanding things like that, uh, are there any particular stories off the top of your head from those times uh, that you can remember that kind of stick out that someone might be able to learn from? No, I mean that Fuji story just came to me as we were talking about this, but just I remember the most stressful increase was. It must have been, you know, 11 or 12 because Kevin Houston was a big part of it. And, and it, Kevin was like, I need to make more money. Like Kevin was a former Navy guy. He stuck around the area to work at Albany CrossFit full time. And he, you know, he was like, I need to make more money. And I said, like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, we need to increase these rates. And we had people that were, you know, quote unquote, grandfathered in my original people that I promised I would never change their rates. And I was like, all right, we need to do this. And I was like, but Kevin, you're in charge. Kevin <clears throat> handled it well. Just about everybody stuck around. And I told you guys earlier, I said, I'd give you one trick. 
and I don't know that I would recommend doing this, but here's, uh, here's one way I kind of diffuse the situation. So say someone was paying $100 a month and our new rate, I mean, we made a substantial increase. I think we went all the way to like 150 or 165 at the time. And at the, at the peak of Albany CrossFit, our monthly membership, I believe, was 180. Uh, I think 189. 189. So, but, but I had those people that was like, hey, I know I promised you, you're going to be a hundred dollars forever. I can't, I can't uphold that anymore. But what I did do for one year was say, what you can do is pay me $1,200 and that's going to be for the year. So you're keeping your hundred dollar rate, but you have to pay me in advance. Mm -hmm. And I allowed that for those people only for one year. And what that did was, like I said, it locked them in. It gave you another year at this rate, gave you time to whether it was save up, decide what you wanted to do next year when the rate was going to go up. And then what I was able to do is, you know, it's not more money, obviously, but I got it in advance so I can apply it towards some bigger things or, you know, put that money to work at the gym with new equipment, refurbishing, uh, you know, new coat of paint, all that stuff. So that was, that's one thing I would say, if you're really hesitant or you're doing a big increase, you can do that. That it sounds reasonable. And it's definitely something to try if, if you're in that situation where you promised. Uh, now, would you say that the homework assignment for this chapter is if, if you're a box owner is to increase your rates? Like what, what, what should they be doing? I'll tell you this. If you're a box owner, I, I would, I would say your homework is to reach out to me, reach out to me. You can email me. Uh, you can use best hour of their day at Gmail and, and I'll, I'll talk you through it. I might, you know, might be in an email. It might be on a phone call, but I think if you've not addressed this and you're worried about it, I'm happy to do it. Um, you know, for everybody else, I don't know that, um, here would be my true challenge is go have a tough conversation with somebody. Maybe, maybe you're not a coach, maybe you're just an athlete, but you work at a place and you've been there for a while. And maybe that tough conversation is going in and asking for a raise. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, maybe you're a personal trainer and you want to increase your rates. Maybe it's just a conversation you've been avoiding with your significant other, because the point is one, you have to attack these conversations, but two, the outcome is rarely as bad as what you're thinking it's going to be. You know, what you created in your head is always worse. Definitely. And I think it, this is sounding a little similar to a previous challenge, but if it is, then that's okay because life is a series of uncomfortable conversations that you've been putting off for way too long and you need to do them anyways. Life Getting is a series of dips. Zone. Yep. Exactly. Well, you know, we've not addressed giving out free memberships. Ooh, okay. We should probably do that. So, you know, I think that was really where I was the most guilty. It's like, we used to barter, we used to give away free memberships and we talked about bartering, but you need to limit those free memberships. It's like we talked way back in the beginning of, of today's chapter and it's, you know, you, you want those people that have that buy-in, that have that accountability, that feel value. I mean, I know for me, especially in the nutrition world, as a nutrition coach, when I would have friends or family or clients reach out and, and try to keep the cost down or avoid paying. Those were the people that got the worst results, the least results, because there was no buy-in. And, and, I, and I love when people tell me like, even something simple, like, hey, I have close friends, close family. They're like, hey, I want to re read your book. And I'm like, oh, I'll get you a copy. They're like, no, no, I want to pay. I want to support you. Like, those are the best people because, you know, they, they realize what they're doing. They're supporting you. But they're also, when you buy a book, you're far more likely to read it than if someone just sends you a PDF. 
And I remember a conversation with our mutual friend. Let's just use his first name, Matt. Uh, I'll give you his last initial, H, because I know he's still a member at your box. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, he he would complain to me about rates all the time. And and to defend Matt a little bit, you know, he was younger at the time, student, you know, or maybe just graduated. Um, and he would be like, hey, Jay, we're friends. Why are you charging me this much? Or why are you going to increase my rate? And I remember kind of that prolific moment where it came to me. I'm like, hey, if we were friends, you would have absolutely no problem doing this. You'd have no problem paying me. You'd want to support me as your friend. And that's what I've realized over the years with different virtual businesses, with just different things. Like so many people are my friends and they reach out. Can I have a copy of your book? Can I, can I, you know, just send me the PDF, you know, I work with Thunderbro. Can I get a Thunderbro program versus the, I see purchases come in for my book. I see purchases come in for Thunderbro for best hour of friends. And that gets me excited. Cause I'm like, if that person would have reached out, I probably would have taken care of them. But knowing just in private, in secret, they wanted to support you. That's a good friend. And it's a good friend or it's a client that you know, that you're doing a really good job with when they're like, no, no I'll pay you more. I, I know. I, I do you remember Katie Brown? Yes. She's very, very tall. I, I personally trained her for a little while and I can't remember what the rate I gave her was. It was probably like $50 an hour. And after the first couple sessions, she's like, I, I want to pay you more. So I was, I was doing apparently such a good job with her. She, she upped, she upped my rate. So if you can get to the point where your members up your rate or just accept it, as you said, that's a pretty good situation to be in. Yeah. I mean, that's, she sounds like, I mean, I remember Katie, she's a great person and I, I've had other situations like that in, in, in life. And I think, you know, obviously those are your best members. And, and we've talked about in the past, take those people out. Why do you want to pay me more, Katie? Not that I'm trying to get you to pay me less, but you need to know the things you're doing well that entices someone like Katie to say, Hey, I, I want to take my hard earned money and give it to you. Yeah. And, yeah, and typically it's just, them out. yeah, it comes down to, I'm, I mean, it's obvious to me, you know, from a distance on your social media that, that you care, but I mean, you're flying all over the country just to watch people clean and jerk and snatch James. Right. Like, and, and that's, you know, this chapter has gotten a little long, but you know, that's a great point to you. It's like your members don't think about that. All right. I'm paying James for this hour, but then he's also the same dude that flies to Ohio to watch me at the Arnold. And, and how does he get there? Well, he's got to pay for it. You know, those are the things that people don't think about. And, you know, when yeah. it goes back to that member math, it's like the same thing. Well, oh, he's just making $20,000. Well, rent is seven. So right away, let's take off yeah. almost half of what you're, you know, figured out in your head. And let's also maybe pay the government some taxes on that money too. You know, so all of those things. But not to beat a dead horse, we've talked about this in the past. The worst members are the people that come to you and complain, want, want free memberships, and then go on social media posting about their expensive sushi dinner. And those people, I don't, I'm not going to use their names, but there was, a, there was two people at the box at Albany CrossFit that drove me insane with that. I'll tell you off, the, off air, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. And it's like, they can do. those people were just, the, they're just the worst. They're the worst types of people. So, and I'm sure if you're a box owner, you understand my rant because you've been there and you understand it. And, and it doesn't matter what you do in life. If you're an entrepreneur, you're, you know, punching in at nine to five, you're always going to have those people that complain. So just to recap, 
know your value and don't be afraid to ask for it. And if you bring value, members will appreciate it and be willing to pay you whatever you ask. And if they are some of those people that aren't willing to do that, then it's okay to let them go. And you can't feel guilty about it because you're doing what you need to do. It's okay to make money. Uh, and the homework assignment would be to have an uncomfortable situation or not a situation, uncomfortable yeah. conversation with someone. And it may be membership. It may be not, you know, and if you're someone who's a new box owner and you're, you're feeling uncomfortable having that rates conversation, then you need to work on that too. Absolutely. Have that awkward conversation Have that tough conversation and you'll feel a lot better after. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jay. Thank you for talking about know your value. Thanks again for listening to that special episode of best hour of their day. If you enjoyed, go ahead and download the book. You can check out the audio book. You can check out the paperback or even the ebook. We place the link right in the show description. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.